Hi, Fanshawe College. This is Ilhan Adin, and I'm the multimedia reporter for the Interabang. Welcome to the Interabang Newsroom. Today, I'm joined by none other than the editor of the Interabang, the one and only Angela McGinnis. This semester has been an interesting one. Definitely a bit tougher than last semester. Uh, what do you think, Angela? <laughs> I feel that energy, yeah. <laughs> There's been tension building. So uh, my apologies to all the faithful, li fa wow, words, faithful listeners out there. I have not been on top of my game, so there's been a couple inconsistencies with the episodes. But with two more left, I promise they will be out on time and quality stuff. So, to start, before we get into all the nonsense and the mess, Angela, I know we had a brief catch-up. Let me just catch everybody else up on our lost tapes. So we had a fantastic conversation oh last God. week. It was so <laughs> insightful, and it was so true. And yeah, and it's gone. It's, it's disappeared. Good old corrupt files. So well, just between <laughs> you and me, we'll always have that conversation. Exactly. Yeah, we'll exactly. always have Paris. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know last week I asked to give us a little update on your life and you gave a great one. I'm going to ask you to repeat it again. <laughs> so everybody, all these strangers know what's happening in Angela's life. Oh, well, I mean, which update of the <laughs> thousands? But I guess just we're we're not looking for personal we're looking for professional but uh <laughs> a <yeah>. little <laughs> bit of both we can mix it's fine a little bit of both um i feel like every single work meeting that mm -hmm. we've had within Terabang, um i'm always like all right guys i know that was a tough week but this <laughs> one's going to be better every single week i have been saying mm. that for mm -hmm. the entire term mm. Uh, so I'm just going to throw in the towel <laughs> and be like, you know, it's all, it's all shit. Just <laughs> 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 we're oh all tired. Goodness. But, yeah, unfortunately, we're looking. We're on the lookout for a new editor. Oh. Is that is that the news is that you wanted me to I share? Would, okay, okay. Uh, Congratulations are in order. Yeah. Well, we're, like, you know, I've been at Interobank for three years. Mm -hmm. I started as um, not even a work study, but a freelance um, writer just writing horror movie reviews, which oh. please don't look them up. I'm so excited <laughs> to do that right after we're done but this. It all, that's how it all began. And then uh, the editor before me, Jessica Thompson, was mm -hmm. very encouraging and a really good leader and got mm -hmm. me into journalism. And now I did staff reporting and two years of being editor. And now it's time for me to go and... Um, you know what? I'm not going to say where I'm going to We move can keep on, that quiet. But yeah. I am moving on, mm -hmm. and we are on the lookout for an editor. So anyone listening to this, if you have mm -hmm. journalistic experience, communications, if mm -hmm. you know the Fanshawe community well and the mm -hmm. London community, um, give me an email, a underscore McInnes2 at fanshawec.ca, and uh, we'll get you the job posting. But there's going to be some changes around here. I'm hopefully excited for some of the incoming changes. We shall see. We shall see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but big congratulations are in order. Although we're keeping it hush hush, mm -hmm. she's kind of a big deal now. Um, we'll so see. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope. Oh, man. <laughs> but I know last week you mentioned something actually that I put in my article. If you have the chance, if you end up editing my article uh, about feel like an octopus and being pulled in every direction. Yes. Yes, I grew eight. I grew oh, sorry six mm -hmm. extra arms. <laughs> uh, just doing. Uh, I remember it well. I remember realizing, oh crap, I'm gonna have to do COVID updates. We mm. had to let go of our staff reporter early when the pandemic hit. So, mm -hmm. and we had to figure out how to uh, rebuild in Terabang basically mm -hmm. um, around uh, the new hybrid model of learning. So that's mm -hmm. why, you know, now it's not so much a newspaper as it is like a biweekly kind of news magazine. Mm -hmm. Uh, we now distribute at Western. We now have this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes change is good. Absolutely. It's what this needed. Like this whole year was about refreshing. Yes. Especially the format. I, th I think it's pretty potentially ironic <laughs> that COVID started in the spring and now we're entering a new spring season mm -hmm. and hopefully this spring season will will bring about blossoms and not gloom <laughs> no I don't think we're ever gonna have to have that year again I I hope so I'm personally forfeit I'm never <laughs> doing that again <laughs> you're like I'm out I'm done no yeah, thanks it's time to move forward but mm -hmm. knowing what we know now We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm still mm -hmm. very pessimistic about this whole vaccine rollout, but that was last week's conversation in the lost tapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this week instead, our COVID update. Let's let's talk about COVID 
in uh, London before we touch base on COVID in Canada. So as I was saying, I'm deeming it the Lost Tapes. <laughs> so last week in the Lost Tapes, we spoke about St. Patty's Day and how yes. and about Western symbiotic relationship with London. Yeah. So as a quick refresher, for those that are unaware, there was quite a bit of a lineup at Jack's. <laughs> um, and a from what I've been reading a week and a half later, there hasn't been an increase in cases directly linked to that partying by any means. However, there was a, not a lot. There was enough pushback from the local community, not the Western community, just about how it felt like students didn't care that mm. they are, what was it, bringing, I guess, the they're increasing the risk of c the spread of COVID amongst the London community and not just Western since they're out and about in London, good old Jacks. Um, and you brought up a really, really good point that I'm hoping you remember better than I, just talking about <laughs> the similar. I had had coffee then, so. <laughs> oh my God, I coffee. might have been a coffee-fueled tangent, which, oh are, God, which are great things. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, it was the symbiotic relationship with Western and uh -huh. London and just how it's more beneficial to Western than it is to London if you're looking at I guess the grander scheme of things and a fun fact I learned actually in trying to rehash our conversation was that London's economic activity is centered on education medical research yep. insurance inf and information technology with London's university being among its top 10 employers yeah meaning they have a lot of money invested in Western more than I even suspected so my question is to you one how do you interpret this relationship do you need some coffee to remember <laughs> i probably do how do i interpret this relationship and i was mad last yeah time oh too. you were like, cheese because it was because it was fresh it was the day after saint patty's yeah. day and i was just like oh um <laughs> but i uh let me think back what do i think of the relationship between london and western yeah. um <sighs> toxic yeah, it's like a codependent it's toxic a codependent relationship. Codependent toxic relationship, and it's so cyclical. And uh, I, you and I are both locals. Yeah, we were born and raised here, and mm -hmm. then we went to Western. So mm -hmm. unlike a fair amount of Western students who we know come from probably the GTA or other yep. places of Canada, but a large amount do come from the GTA, and mm -hmm. then they come to London, mm -hmm. they go to school, mm -hmm. and while they're going to school, they party on Richmond Row. Yep. Um, Bring a lot of money to Richmond Row. They uh, they kind of treat London like they don't care about it. Yep. Um, I'm so used to seeing, you know, the neighborhoods on, like, Ann Street and around the Mark. Like, mm -hmm. they're just covered in trash most of the time. Like, really? they're obliterated. Wow. Um... Uh, what else am I used to seeing as a Londoner? Oh, uh, we talked about FOCO. We talked yeah. about the street partying. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, I can't help but feel like these students come in, kind of um, party all over the city. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not theirs. Yep. Um, I don't see as much contribution to improving the city as mm -hmm. I would like to see. Mm. And then they leave in April. And, yep. you know, you can even look at uh, it's almost the end of March now. Mm -hmm. I guarantee towards the end of April, we're going to see a lot more trash on Absolutely. the streets. And there there have been countless. It's almost like an annual kind of like new story that occurs mm -hmm. um, how like students will not clean up the streets. Mm -hmm. So you have that component. Yeah. And then you have them partying during COVID mm. and contributing to London's case numbers yeah. when you have uh, fraternities and sororities coming mm -hmm. together um, over capacity and uh, as of last week we had at least 45 cases of COVID yeah uh, because these students were partying mm -hmm. and that goes out into the community yeah so the frustration last week and still now I've had some time to simmer <laughs> but the frustration is um, where's the responsibility yeah where's the community mm -hmm. uh, and where's um where's the care for London yeah uh, we're dealing with a housing crisis yeah we're dealing with an opioid crisis mm -hmm. we're dealing with a human trafficking crisis mm. so you have that dimension of London mm -hmm. you have the Adelaide and Dundas dimension of London which is not good right now it's getting worse and worse to be honest with you like I'm yep. seeing so many more people on the street so many more so many more needles just out and about people yep. strung out and it's no like it's no fault of their own necessarily oh, mental, it's uh, just mental health we have a yeah. mental health crisis yeah. because the the lhsc like 
um, you know that I I understand that there are just not enough beds, and yep. we're working on it. Like mm-hmm. the CMHA is doing what it can to provide more services, but mm-hmm. um, we're seeing a growing number of a population uh, that's struggling with housing, addiction, and mental illness. Okay. Yep. What are Western students doing to help make this city a better place? And I can't help but feel that there isn't that much of an emphasis on Western's end in mm-hmm. encouraging these students to get out, yep. see this reality. Yep. I feel like there's more of an investment in this whole student experience branding. Absolutely. They And I mentioned this last week in our Lost Tapes. I'm so angry about losing this. So there's going to be a lot of references to the goddamn <laughs> Lost Tapes. But um, yeah, Western, I can't remember the year it was, but it was quite some time ago where it was a magazine that deemed them to be the number one party school. And ever since then, it seemed to be like, First, Western did not embrace it. I remember articles coming up being like, we're not a party school, we're a a serious university. And then suddenly they realized that they're getting an influx of students' uh, enrollment, an increase in enrollment, and they're like, you know what, let's embrace this student experience. And suddenly the, the paperwork, the brochures were way more focused on student experience not as much as uh, uh, the actual academic experience. And yeah, I feel like our city's become a, a party town. Like yeah. people consider Fanshawe, you know the nickname for Fanshawe, Funshaw, yep. <laughs> and <laughs> add that in with Western's party, um, yeah. I guess, reputation, and suddenly you have a mixture of disaster. And just like you said, it is very interesting. As two Western, former Western students, you know that the, the, the university doesn't really put in any sort of emphasis in any of the programs, in any newsletters, in anything that I have at least seen to push these students to actually engage with London as a community and not just a place to party. Yeah, where's the community service? Exactly. Uh, they used to have a Shinerama campaign, I believe. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. I have during no during idea the what old that is. orientation week, Shinerama is a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget for what, but during orientation week, like back in like the 90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s at least, uh, students would go out into London community mm. wearing their purple gear, asking for donations. Oh. And I had a problem with this as a Londoner because you would see these students go to areas of like at the time Market Tower on Dundas and Richmond. Mm. Um, that was just outside of the welfare office. Yeah. And students would go and ask people for donations to Shinerama mm. during Western's orientation week. And I would I just thought to myself, like, what? This is such a dissociation. Like there's yeah. a uh, there's a cognitive there's a dissonance Absolutely. here. Absolutely, um, they're going to Richmond and Dundas to ask for donations for people outside Bro. the welfare office for no. donations to their charity. And I'm not knocking the charity, mm-hmm. but I am kind of knocking the lack of awareness. Yeah. Um, on these students' part, mm-hmm. um, for like once again, uh, are you, have you not researched London? Like, if you go to university, mm-hmm. it's to study. Yeah. Um, about the world to yeah. learn about the universe, mm-hmm. right? So I would hope that it would be with the intention of making the world a better place. Mm. But I just don't see that when I see droves mm-hmm. of students lining up to Jack's during mm. a global pandemic. And that's just my take. Do you think that it's somehow potentially equated, not equated to, but correlated to the amount of work they require students to do, at least at Western? I can't speak of other universities, mm. but I know it was so much more than anybody would expect and yes of course there's a disconnect between you know uh from from high school to university or even college to university but from at least the conversations i was having with a lot of students as a londoner i'm like guys like why do you not care about the city why do you just party when you're here like none of you care at all to just kind of enter this community and they're like no i'm just exhausted from all the work that i want to do i want to let off some steam i'm going out and it seems like that's at least for me the constant conversation i'm having in terms of why why there's that disconnect between the london community and the western community why does letting off steam Mm -hmm. have to be um so aggressively entrenched in rape culture Ooh, ooh! you want to go there today yes absolutely i want to point that out because i get letting off steam yeah i'm a hard worker Mm -hmm. i was a student too Mm -hmm. but you look at the businesses down Richmond Row, yeah, and you see the ones that have stood the test of time mm-hmm. and the ones that have not. Mm. And the ones that have stood the test of time have been bars like Jack's. Yep. And Frog. Frog. 
And, oh, uh, now Delilah's. Yeah, and whatever the <laughs> hell it's called because it keeps on changing, Ch- keeps yep. on rebranding. That's just the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. I used to be a cocktail waitress at a place called Club Large, but that's ah, not I the remember story. Cl- remember Club I Large. remember Large. Yeah. Oh, only OGs will remember that, yeah. <laughs> that club. <laughs> so as you can tell. And uh, Tap House was mm-hmm. another one, but I don't know. Is, is there anything new? Is, is Tap House something else now? It For a while, they t- changed the name. Then they closed down. Then they reopened again as Tap house and they yeah. tried to rebrand themselves as something similar to frog and that was the last time i was tuned in with it so i'm not too yeah. sure but it's still something well, is like still there there's some sort of club still well, there and now we have chuck's roadhouse and mm-hmm. now we have um barney's and um you know a little disclaimer this podcast is just my opinion i'm not i'm not <laughs> shitting on these businesses at yeah. all but i i am kind of saying like if that whole argument that we're students and we need to blow off steam mm-hmm. is getting extremely drunk. Yep. A, a good, productive way to blow off steam. Why is that your mm. way of blowing off steam? Interesting um, perspective, yeah. I didn't why, think about that. Why is uh, drinking culture and party culture mm-hmm. so connected mm-hmm. to university life in Canada? Yeah. And, the, you know, and now we're talking about the student experience of Western. Mm-hmm. L- like, FOCO just proves my point in mm. what I'm saying. I know that FOCO is like it's not on Western property, so there's mm-hmm. nothing they can do. But Even though know, it's literally right by the gates. Yeah, <laughs> but, but still, these are... Like it's tens of thousands, yeah. or like it's, it's thousands at least yeah. of students wearing your brand, mm-hmm. partaking in this kind of activity, mm-hmm. and their excuse is always blow off steam because we study so hard. Yep. I think that the university should take a little bit of responsibility there for mm-hmm. the type of like that's still their image and that's still attracting students to their school absolutely especially if it's about student experience i remember saying in the lost tapes like it's is really frustrating that foco was still going to continue mm-hmm. in uh september 2020 yeah had it not been for a pandemic this that yeah. type of thing would have still continued on like students were like it was now it was becoming a tradition it was 25,000 people the last time oh yeah. my god that's what i was looking up now just 25 25,000 people so it was 2019 that huge in a one in a yep. neighborhood outside of a university to mm-hmm. get drunk and party and yep. that's to blow off steam yeah i think i think you really did highlight a good point that Although that that's not the only way to blow off steam. And it seems like Western hasn't at least pushed enough alternatives for people to see that, hey, we don't have to get super wasted and just like fuck up London, Ontario. You know what I mean? But I don't know, man. I think going back to what we said, that symbiotic relationship, like London benefits financially from having these students spend their money. From being like this kind of place where students can come and behave that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to slow down personally. I think if anything, with as much innovation and research coming out of worthwhile research coming out of Western, I don't think it's going to slow down. I think this relationship is going to continue and Western's always going to have the stronghold um, until London's economy is not dependent on it. But I don't see that happening with Western continuing to grow. What do you think? Yep. I just don't, I don't see, I don't see much of a change coming up because Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is not the popular opinion. Like Mm. people, I, people don't want to hear what I have to say. Mm. Like, because I've been shot down before. Again, about like the, well, if students want to drink and party, they're young and like, okay, fine, fine, fine. But is this really, why is this such an integral part yeah. of our culture mm-hmm. in Canada in general? This yeah. whole university partying thing, mm-hmm. uh, dr- binge drinking culture, mm-hmm. um, and again, rape culture mm. as part of like the early 20s student experience. Yeah. And my there are many different ways to frame this discussion. And mm-hmm. this, there are many, and I wish there were more people in this room right now, actually, so I could hear different different opinions as well but mm-hmm. uh, when I when I look at London and I you know I have such a relationship with this city because it's yeah. where I've been my whole life mm-hmm. um, and when I think about the culture of this city mm-hmm. yeah we have this dimension of again all these 
systemic problems. Yep. And I would go so far as to suggest that perhaps this whole student partying thing is mm-hmm. yet another systemic problem as well. Interesting take. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with 25,000 students <laughs> packed into Brothdale, <laughs> this is society's like that, fault, man. that like, definitely is pushing systemic yeah. issues. Yeah. Like, that's not, <laughs> like, I understand if it was, like, maybe hundreds, uh, all right, thousands, mm, we're 20 pushing that 25,000. That's inc- And just as a reminder, this was the 2019 FOCO. Yeah. Who knows what 2020 would have been like had there been no pandemic? Because as you said, I, I really think people would have been like, huh, we're going out. I don't care. Yeah. And, w- and we still see that ki- kind of energy, mm-hmm. I yeah. think, oh, absolutely. in the student partying mm-hmm. that has been taking place mm-hmm. um, when, s- when London has not been in gray yeah. Or, yeah. or red. Like as soon as students were able to get together, mm-hmm. um, you saw it at the beginning of the year yep. during orientation. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a fair amount of uh, cases put into the community because mm-hmm. of student gatherings. Mm-hmm. And now we're on the other end of that. The w- we're coming out in the winter. And mm-hmm. again, we saw a spike because of student gatherings. London is not the worst pro- mm-hmm. uh, city in the province. Like mm-hmm. um, it's mainly like Toronto and Peel region that have mm-hmm. been having troubles because um, it's so densely populated. Yeah. But actually London is doing fairly okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fair to say a significant portion of these cases are due to student activity. I mean, from what I've been reading, it looks like it. Mm-hmm. So we, we shall see. It's going to be an interesting summer, I think, when all the students are gone to see how it affects our numbers and just how, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, what then we'll see. Exactly, right? And just also coming into another school year in September, because I know Western, Fanshawe hasn't said anything yet as uh, from what I'm aware of, but Fan- Western, excuse me, already announced they want in-class, uh, in-person classes, excuse me, in September for as many people as possible, as opposed to now where it's only those that are necessary. So, FOCO 2021. <laughs> it looks like it. Oh, I wonder how that is going to be. Hopefully, there'll be a podcast for us to talk about it. <laughs> oh, there will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But going back to what you said about systemic issues, mm-hmm. let's talk about COVID in Canada now. <laughs> so, last mm-hmm. week in our wonderful Lost Tapes, we touched base on the overall shit show that is the vaccine rollout. We had got into an interesting space where we were discussing the many problems COVID has brought to light due to potentially the incompetence or the infrastructure of the federal government. Wow, federal government, that's the word. <laughs> As of this morning, the Auditor General will report on the Public Health Agency Agency's pandemic response. Reading through the article, I picked up a few interesting statements, Angela, that I, I kind of want to throw at you. <laughs> throw away. So the first one is the Public Health Agency of Canada blames a shortage of staff claiming mm-hmm. <laughs> claiming over the years the agency has suffered from a, quote, brain drain, leaving them with limited experts. And then the Global Public Health Intelligence Network apparently switched off their alert system very close to COVID. So we were way behind in terms of being aware mm-hmm. that COVID was in Canada. And with no one specifically to actually blame for giving those orders, the only information available is that, quote, bureaucrats didn't understand the value of the pandemic warning network. Now, of course, I can go on and on, (laughs) but I'm going to wait for what the auditor has to say before I continue. So my question to you right now is, do you think Canada is doomed to repeat history or will we actually learn from these mistakes? We're going to have to learn. Mm -hmm. This is not a good look. Mm-hmm. This is an, uh, on the international mm-hmm. landscape. Yeah. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> it really is. Mm-hmm. So many people thought Canada was just high ranking. Oh, we have like socialist country. We have all this free health care. And like, look at you. You can get sick and go to the doctor here. And it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. But I'm like, there's going to be no doctor to go to because we have no one here to take care of you. Yeah. There's, uh, it all started, uh, I think for at least over 10 years, there have been a shortage of family doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is just Canadian citizens we're talking about. Um, we're a small country Mm -hmm. and a significant portion of our current population, Mm -hmm. human beings living on this land Mm -hmm. are immigrants. Yep who do not even get that coverage to begin with. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the whole free health care thing is kind of interesting, isn't it? Who's mm-hmm. getting that free health care is and the question. And what's the quality of that health care And what is the well? quality of that health care? Yeah. Uh, the pandemic has really brought that to light. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't brought to light before, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it's undeniable now. Yeah, you can't ignore it. It's literally yeah. in your face because the pandemic is screwing up so many things that already were wrong that it's just like shit on top of shit. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's it's very interesting that everybody keeps playing the blame game. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, well, this person didn't do this or this person forgot to do this or these people didn't give us the And it's just like at some point, who's going to be held accountable yeah. and who's going to be held responsible and who's going to come up with this solutions to move forward? Because like, just as you said, we have to learn from these mistakes. But I'm yeah. very, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like there, it's going to take quite a bit of time for us to untangle ourselves from this whole COVID fiasco yeah. and how it was handled. So I'm very interested in what the Auditor General is going to say. Because like I said, these two health networks are like, oh my God, it's not our fault. <laughs> and I was like, I get it 100%. Money is the bane of all our existence. And without it, nothing functions. But at some point, it's just like, how are these quote unquote bureaucrats able to make the decision to take money away? Because I'm assuming, obviously, I, I, I can't say for certain. I'm assuming it was a budget cut of some sort, which is why they just didn't have either the manpower or what have you not to maintain the the COVID alert or not COVID the pandemic um, alert system. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, I just hate the idea that it's co- these quote unquote bureaucrats. Like no names, no titles. You literally these are anonymous people making very big decisions for us. We have no way of knowing who they are, no way of having an influence on it, even though we are the ones affected by it. And we're just kind of supposed to sit back and be like, yeah, you guys figure out. Go write this report about this these people and that report about these people. And maybe something will happen. Even in the article I was reading, they're just like, we hope something happens. But we hope that real change will come from this. And I'm like, I'm so tired of hearing that <laughs> sentence with all the things that are all the problems that have uh, been illuminated because of the pandemic. Action, not hope. Mm. Because in case you haven't noticed, we're kind of in a critical situation. Mm-hmm. Um, enough. Like we've we've run out of time. Yeah. We really have <laughs> at this point. Like I don't, I it's don't know how much worse it can hope. get. It's too late. Exactly. How many more people need to die? Mm-hmm. How many more people need to fall sick? How many more people need to be homeless? How many more people need to just be in turmoil before the the government as a whole, the federal government as a whole, is like, you know what? We need to change something. <laughs> like we, and I will, I believe it's a mixture of incompetence and mm. lack of 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 good infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I just. I remember last in our lost tapes, I was referring to the the lack of communication, the streamline of or yeah, the lack of communication and just how it's not yes. streamlined. The lack of information. You know? Yes. I took a huge sip of my coffee and slammed <laughs> down my cup and I said, you know what, Ilhan, you know what this is? Mm. This is a public relations crisis. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And you were very right then There's and you're very right now. There's been a lack of transparency. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's been a lack of planning in the mm-hmm. delivery of communication because this time last week we were still talking about AstraZeneca and, yep. um, why do I keep seeing like there's, con- uh, I think it was like 11 countries or so have paused AstraZeneca yep. and Canada is mm-hmm. like, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, right. It's fine, no, it's parts fine. of Canada are like, no, it's fine. Other yeah. parts are like, no. And I'm just like, which is, is also it? very confusing. Exactly. And I'm just like, wait, <laughs> we're so not a unified country. Like exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, we need to just take time to actually understand what we can do as a collective mm-hmm. to make sure the community, the Canadian community as a collective is actually moving towards progression, but it's just like every province for itself, go figure it out. Yeah. And speaking, uh, it was funny actually last week you were mentioning, you're like, it was just, it was in talks that America would give us some vaccines because and America was going to help mm-hmm. out Mexico and Canada. After we were done our podcast, literally I was reading an article being like, America sending, I, I can't remember the number, maybe 40 million doses to Canada. Yes. And I'm like, wow. America is sending us vaccines. Bro. And... Are we not manufacturing vaccines here no. in Canada? Yeah, no. that's right. That was the big issue that that. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand Why how. Not? How is it that we have some of the like some great scientific minds here, but they're not being put to use? How is it that we have so much space here, but it's not being put to use? How is it that we aren't making our own vaccine here? Like, it doesn't make sense that we don't have a manufacturer in Canada after a year into the pandemic fine if they didn't have it before i get it apparently it's not important <laughs> but now at this point i'm like i don't understand how they still haven't put in the effort to do so we're a very young colony mm. 
We are a very young, disorganized colony. And we need to figure our shit out. We need to figure our shit out. <laughs> we really and, do. And uh, historically speaking, that mm-hmm. means there's going to be some rough seas ahead. Mm. Worse knows? than now? Of course. <laughs> I know. I of know. Of course. I know. It, if you know what I've learned. <laughs> you Do you know what I have learned? Oh, what have you learned? Things can always get worse. <laughs> oh, man. I feel that in my spirit. Oh, mama mia. It really can. And it's... Oh, man. This is going to be a very doom and gloom episode, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're used to it. And they should be at this point, honestly. <laughs> this hasn't been the most positive we space. We all have the same problems <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So there's Being that isolated. kind of solidarity. And oh, at least I'm at, I don't know about you, but I'm in the laughing phase. Like, I'm in the chain smoking, just like, oh, oh. c'est la vie. Like, it's just the way things are. Life is pain. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I'm getting closer to that space, to be honest with you. It's a fun place to be, actually. Just It's funny. Literally, in the <laughs> last uh, article that I sent you for, for this week's um, checkout, tune in for when, when was the, when is, uh, the next um, Interroband coming out? April 5th. April 5th. Tune in to April 5th to, to read my, my viewpoint and my experience with COVID. Mm-hmm. But, no, I had put into there... Um, Wow, I completely forgot. Eventually, it'll come back to me. That's okay. But yeah, I put something in there that I was going to mention. Not important. That's totally fine. <laughs> I wish we had a button that every time we had brain fog, oh we just God. had like a foghorn or something. You know, you know that reminds me of um, yeah. that stapler, uh, Staples, sorry, yeah. where it was like be easy or something, the easy button that you used to press. Yeah. Oh, we need one for COVID brain. We need one of those for COVID right now. Absolutely. So do you, I, like I want to know your t- I love how... Mm-hmm. I love the question answer format, but oh. Ilhan, like, <laughs> yeah. do you think Canada is doomed to repeat history? You know, I think, I really think that we are. <laughs> like, I'm not going to even lie. I fully think that we're going to continuously make the same mistakes over and over and over again until there's actually like a seismic force it's gonna have to that get worse. changes us exactly mm-hmm. and i i would have hoped that this pandemic would have been it but the moment people realized oh it's probably not gonna affect me as an individual eh, okay i don't care i think if it was more deadly then we probably would have had that necessary shift being to no. changing our infrastructure if but it was more deadly it would be i don't know if you know mad max do you know of the mad max ah, movies like it would I'm be familiar with it, it would be oh, like post-apocalyptic <laughs> dystopian society oh, would man. crumble so yeah, so then there's no hope for us. <laughs> in other words. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But yeah, no, in all seriousness, because money makes the world go round, I really don't think that we're gonna learn from our mistakes. I think we're just doomed to continuously repeat them until, like I said, something even bigger than COVID happens and r- forces those that can change to actually change. Because as much as we want change to happen, yes, we can get involved, yes, we can um run for politics yes we can open up charities yes we can have nonprofits. yes we can volunteer our time but at some point the decision maker has to be one that wants change collectively we have to say no to certain things and we have to draw the line to certain things and, and that's what these protests are about i think yeah but like look at the response mm-hmm. uh to so i i don't think enough people want change is the problem yeah a I lot th- of many people do a but lot not of enough. young people do who oh, have the young spirits yeah but like look at the way oh here we go like i'm just <laughs> like look at the way society makes it so difficult for young people who care to make a change look yeah. at how hard it is for us to make our way through school mm-hmm. to pay off school yeah to enter the workforce mm-hmm. to get on our own feet like mm-hmm. you guys like this is ridiculous yeah it's maybe yeah yeah, like there's, we just have to start. The only way is for us to say, you know what, we're not going to buy into this anymore. But that's yeah. hard because we need to survive. Exactly. Systemic. I feel like we're going to have a repeat. I just, I don't know why. Something about the 70s is coming back where we're hearing in some of the music. See, some of the benefits, that's great. The music, the community, the whole free spirit. But I also feel like cults are going to make a comeback. Oh! <laughs> <Because> <laughs> <And I say laughs> this conversation. I love this conversation. You I know say I that because, honestly, just like you were saying, like, mm-hmm. 
there it's it's getting so difficult to try and be a part of society the way that you're quote unquote supposed to be a functioning member that's of society right and i just that's feel like why the youth these are gonna... groups and communes yes. crop up in times yep. of tomo exactly oh, that's such a good point and yeah that's another like, element of it no people are yeah. gonna people are just gonna start saying you know what fuck it we're gonna start our own society exactly but then you're gonna then you're gonna get then the you're 80s. gonna get yeah <laughs> Uh, the other the other thing that when you're talking about how it's going to have to get worse yeah uh it will in the sense that we're beginning we're going to COVID's here to stay yep and uh it's going to be a number of decades of us realizing the full impact of COVID neurologically on our lungs Mm -hmm. um on like will will this impact newborn children at all like how is this going to impact kids mental health oh my god this has changed the world the world is a new place like so it is going to get worse yeah Mm -hmm. i don't even know how kids like i i am so happy to be at least an adult and experiencing this because yes there there's its own issues that come with being an adult experiencing this but children who literally are still in that developmental stage that need that social interaction on a different level than you and i do and just speaking to your teacher not seeing their mouth like how do you learn you know what i mean it's it's really i think the elements to learning are gonna substantially be affected and and it's gonna we're gonna see it in the next like just like you said 10 years and see how students are gonna how students are gonna be you know hopefully hopefully this is the last year or the end of this school year will be the last year of not in class um or not even just in class but like mask Mm -hmm. uh classrooms with masks yeah not being able to see everyone's faces not being able to have like and develop that communication Mm -hmm. like psychologically how is this going to impact these kids yeah um and if these kids get sick how is it going to impact them how like there there's going to be so many factors Mm -hmm. the other interesting thing that we do need to talk about Mm. the she session have you heard of that no please tell me most of the people who have lost their jobs mm. um a fair percentage are female and they're calling it the she session and mm. a lot of women have lost their jobs mm-hmm. and that's like women's rights are going to take a hit possibly so we really are going back to the 70s yeah. <laughs> but you know what's yeah. interesting about that i remember reading an article uh, not necessarily about this she session yeah okay but um something similar where i think it was like the earlier stages before they had i guess the concrete evidence to support this idea but a lot of women were forced to be the caretakers at home Mm -hmm. again that's right unbeknownst to them (laughs) even though they're normally working women they weren't used to having to be forced to be the domesticated woman at home but there's this sudden expectation that oh you're no longer working so you're going to take care of the house while i'm not doing anything Mm -hmm. or you're going to now be the primary caretaker for the children while I'm working at home, even yeah. though you're probably working from home too, or just, yeah, this, this forced domesticated uh, role has now been put women on, on women. really have to do it all. And yeah. this was, I remember my mom saying that this is kind of like, that was the burden that her generation of women had to take. And yeah. they fought so that our generation of women mm-hmm. would have the choice to yep. not have to take every single thing on. Cause in mm-hmm. the eighties and nineties, women were expected to, have the career but also uh you know run a household and raise kids and our generation is hopefully able like we're supposed to be able to say i just want this one thing i just Mm -hmm. want this one thing but now with covid women have been pushed back to taking on that entire load and it'll be it will be very interesting to see how obviously evidently it's affecting us negatively in the workspace but how it's going to in the future affect us like how long is it going to take us to find that balance again how long is it going to take us to get the number of women working to be as high as it was before or higher potentially but yeah it's going to be very a lot of women work in hospitality and uh, you know and food services Mm -hmm. um and uh, obviously those industries have taken a hit Mm -hmm. um what are they gonna do yeah what are they gonna do uh, the system as we said before is kind of like working against them and that mm-hmm. it's very expensive to go to school and retrain for a new career yeah. like that's yeah. a huge investment that not many people mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not many people who all like can afford to take that dip without the su- without relying on someone else like yep. it just seems almost impossible and mm-hmm. how how what uh, what's bothering me about this particular moment in time mm-hmm. is that okay we just had this year of oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit like yep. things just got really really real mm-hmm. um 
we're not impervious to disaster, even mm-hmm. though we live in a first world country. Like this mm-hmm. was a huge wake up call yeah. for a lot of naive people, myself included. Same. So I was like, after I went through that awakening, <laughs> that political awakening, that spiritual Whew. awakening, yep. that personal awakening that a lot of us went through, mm-hmm. um, we were kind of like, okay, good. This needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Things are going to change. But now it's a year later and I'm like, I feel like people. Um, I feel like society is trying to like stuff like a square peg down a round hole almost. Mm, like we're yep. trying to still go back to the way things were. And that's exactly why. Why going back to the initial question? Why I think Canada is not is not going to learn from its mistakes. Well, okay, yeah. Because it's truthfully, it's exactly as you summarized enough, it. Yeah. You're putting a square in a round hole, and mm-hmm. it's it's just not going to work. This so. isn't going to work. So and there's just going to be more friction and more yep. tension and uh, it's just going to make things harder until mm-hmm. like we have to we have to let go of the way things used to be because yep. this is not sustainable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we see this here in London. Less mm-hmm. and less. Fewer and fewer people can afford houses. Fewer and fewer yeah. people can afford to even fucking take care of themselves. Yeah. And this is microcosmic of what's going on in North America. Absolutely. Again, we are a young colony mm-hmm. with much to learn. Oh, this is going to be one hell of a learning curve. That that is absolutely accurate. And going back now, I remember what I was going to say about the article that I wrote. I've become an apathetic person. (laughs) (laughs) That that was one of the big takeaways from this year is that just my my level of apathy has increased for a lot, a lot of things, a lot more things than I would have. I think so. Honestly, it's probably probably easier for you. Definitely. I'm just like, you know, I just don't care anymore about a lot of things. Underrated. It really is. That is also mm-hmm. very crucial part, th- a crucial thing that I've learned during my my past year, mm-hmm. um, working during COVID, going to school during COVID. Where I'm like, I just don't give a fuck about things that I don't care about anymore. That's like good. I'm done. Awesome. I'm so over it. Yep. <laughs> we get to pick and choose what we care about. And exactly. You know what? Like there's less and less. I have less and less capacity to care about things that just don't matter anymore. Exactly. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> And speaking <laughs> of going back to what you said about um, the housing, housing that mm-hmm. we can't, nobody can buy. Well, the housing market's been on a boom, but it's like super expensive. I think the super average expensive. house is like six hundred thousand dollars now say in Canada. Boom, but it's, in my mind, how is that a boom if only a certain group of people can afford yeah. decent housing? Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's not really <laughs> a boom. It's more so just money's being made for a certain group of people, and it's like, hey, you have a house, you want to sell it. Kudos to you, but. I just don't like how it's being seen as a boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that the fact that nobody can afford housing. Speaking of housing, commercial uh, units. <laughs> I love your segues. <laughs> thank you. Thank oh you. I've God. been working on them, man. So I appreciate good. it. Yes. <laughs> but yes, with commercial housing, or not housing, excuse me, but commercial uh, development mm-hmm. being at the all-time high, at least in the last couple, uh, last 10 years, I think it was, it's now pushing 20%. And I say the uh, commercial developments, developing, wow, words, commercial buildings. People aren't building shit anymore <laughs> in, the va- in here. Are you talking vacancy. about the vacancy rate? That is the word I am looking for. One Thank second you. here. Absolutely. We can pause, girl. Took a little pause there, guys. We're back. <laughs> Took a nice little water break. But um, yes. So as I was saying about commercial prop or vacancy properties commercial vacancy properties that's the words i'm looking for uh, down c- commercial vacancy commercial rate. vacancy okay yeah. wow words mean things guys <laughs> but um so commercial vacancy is at an all-time high pushing 20 percent and it's increased from 16 percent which was already higher higher than the national average but it's moving to 20 percent partly because of covid but also because there isn't any any buildings being developed yeah it's all just sitting under one person's name uh, <laughs> he who shall shall remain nameless because this is not about him this is about london but um i'm sure all of you have seen farhi signs everywhere in he london. literally owns this town yeah he owns a, over a hundred properties in in london ontario alone commercial properties right well some of them are commercial some of them are uh like he is a landlord for some some buildings Uh, as well i don't know which ones which ones are which but i do know he has more of a percentage in commercial almost property pathological at this point what this man is doing like this this is interesting 
this is strange. Yeah, and here's the thing. <laughs> so there's been an influx of articles written about. There always is. There's always a little a little time where yeah, everybody starts writing about him. And there's been a, a recent influx um, specifically referring to Farhi and his vacant properties. And I'll let you talk about the bylaw, the recent bylaw that, that brought people's attention to Farhi. But what I will say is, as I mentioned, Farhi Holding, oh, Farhi Holdings owns 100 properties in the city city most mm-hmm. notably the former london free press building mm-hmm. the former library on queens avenue the right lithographic building in the downtown core and these are all these really nice big old buildings that if you historical. drive by you're like why is why it like it's it's sh- exactly historical but something could be here they're just you know sitting there they're just sitting there rotting and exactly if you don't mind that i'll just quickly say um mm-hmm. just here's a good place for me to mention so that's why you have you have already farhi and his pathology of mm-hmm. purchasing his uh, historical buildings and mm-hmm. then uh withholding them mm-hmm. from buyers like i, I spare it. that's the word for some reason uh-huh. he just keeps them he's yep. a hoarder for yep. these buildings and uh you pair that with the pandemic and the loss of business in yep. downtown so we have a lot of empty buildings which is why we have an a drastically increased vacancy rate yeah um from 16 to 20 in a in a year, year. that's yeah. crazy absolutely um, and for those that are unaware i'm sure honestly you probably saw the signs but if you're not familiar with the old london free press building or the library or the right lithographic building you know what you are aware of symposium downtown yeah he that is owned by him the mcdonald's on richmond and dundas that literally every single person i know has gone to at least once in their life as a rite of passage yeah <laughs> is owned by him as well which is why it's closed the starbucks right the across starbucks. from that mcdonald's even though he Rexall, owns it that whole even corner? the rexall yep so he, o- he owns all of them and all those businesses are out now we have these we have these empty buildings yep and uh so there's a new bylaw in mm-hmm. London um, just penalizing uh, business owners who, I guess, like, they, they have to take care of these buildings. Yep. Um, so now there's going to be, like, $400 per infraction, um, and, and uh, owners have to submit a floor plan or mm-hmm. contact information for buildings left empty for more than 30 days. Um, and you said they it's can, like they can also be fined if the building is boarded mm-hmm. up for a year. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, that's that's just like a very like in a nutshell. Yeah, the city is starting to do to to uh, implement building bylaws to take care of these buildings. But it's only mm. like four hundred bucks, right? You yeah. said. Yeah. I, this man, if he has the ability to buy over a hundred properties in London, I'm right. sure he'll be like, you know what? I'll just pay this little fine and move on with my Far life and he, keep it closed. Don't you want to open these buildings to tenants who can? pay for them Mm -hmm. and take care of them and Mm -hmm. maintain them and don't you want to have buildings for people Mm -hmm. in london to go in and out of Mm -hmm. i'm so happy that you said that i'm not saying like Mm -hmm. you know house like use these businesses to house homeless people even though it's a grand idea Mm -hmm. but like at least give back to the community yeah at least have a place for people to go in general exactly it's dangerous as Mm -hmm. a woman Mm. uh as a young woman mm-hmm. relying on the LTC mm-hmm. um, all throughout school, mm-hmm. I only had Starbucks to go to or it was wait on the corner of what was then the the main bus stop on Dundas and Richmond. Yep. That was not safe. At all. And ne- there's less and less space. I rely on LTC again and there is less and less space, safe space to mm-hmm. just kill some time yep. when I wait for that 30 to 45 minutes for the bus ltc is another conversation you hear what another I'm saying? <laughs> like do you hear what i'm saying like it's not it's not a very convenient city to live in no it's all not all of the buildings are closed off for yep. whatever reason yep. there's nowhere convenient i can go to to just sit down and mm-hmm. grab like an affordable cup of coffee mm-hmm. i know the pandemic factors into this of too of course but, but still like, we were at 16 percent before in it. general like where are the cafes where are the mm-hmm. places we can sit where are the places we can socialize and mm-hmm. study no wonder the only thing students have to do to blow off steam is go to jacks absolutely what else is there for them to do in this in this town you're absolutely right and you know it's funny that you mentioned when you were asking uh why he won't actually rent out to tenants in the city so he was asked this question several times the response that he got and uh, i'll summarize or i'll paraphrase is 
Okay, there you go. Sorry, I can't read. (laughs) So when asked why he, as in far, he continues to choose not to develop the many buildings he owns, he says, apparently, a lack of parking and crime deter tenants from renting in the downtown court. That's what he said. I'm like, sir, sir. So much parking downtown. Right? I'm like, listen, I know London is not a Toronto. It's We're not moving to that space yet, but uh, it's there, there. you can definitely find Dude parking in the city. And our crime minute. statistics, I don't feel like warrant that type of s- sentiment, you know? And honestly, going back to what you just had said about not having anywhere to go, and you're looking at literally all this doom and gloom, from a morale standpoint, we're surrounded by empty buildings with this man's name. And that's that's all you see. There's every corner in London's downtown. It's you weird. See it. it is. <laughs> it is so weird. It's and strange. And it's funny because before, and I don't know if anybody listening noticed that he used to have giant signs. And then literally for years, they're like, you can't do this. Here's the fine. And he would just pay the fine. And then they got to the point where like, screw the fine. Like you just, you can't do this. Now it's like against our bylaw, period. And so he's like, okay, fine. So now he took it down. So it's a much more reasonable size, but still nonetheless, every single street corner downtown. This should not be allowed. I don't know the legalities, but like, why (laughs) isn't city council at this point just building a case against this guy? I'm glad that you said that. Basically because he has so much money and it's not even (gasps) just him. If it was anybody else in that position who has like that level of power they're scared they're scared to piss somebody off like that because he really as you said owns london basically so that's why they created that bylaw that you had just mentioned for the fines to try and at least start pushing start having some pushback but yeah a lot of people they're scared and it goes back to what you originally were talking about about community in the in london ontario and Mm -hmm. it's really going to take not only those in in politics but us as citizens just the everyday person all of us to come together and sway the public opinion to at least go against him enough that he has pressure from the public to be like no you need to develop something because technically as you said the legality like they they can't do anything legally yet you know so it's really going to be on us as a london community to be like nah motherfucker i'll beep that out but (laughs) (laughs) you're not allowed to do except like you're not allowed to do it it, far less glamorous citizen kane like this guy just has some no, I wonder I'm if not, it's like a vendetta not, against London or something. I but it's a little bit like an ego thing. Because like. <laughs> he's doing the same thing in Windsor. Like, it's not as bad yet, but he's in. I can't say he specifically himself increased the vacancy rate, but he's. Like, He's attributed to yeah. the increase in vacancy rates in, in Windsor as well. And I make the Citizen Kane comparison <laughs> because, like, what will become of his legacy? Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- is this a legacy thing? Yeah, like, is, it's is true. Is this, like, like, what? I want to interview this man so bad. So funny he that you said that. the white whale of London journalism. Man, I yeah. okay, so I just went on a limb in my first year and was like, I'm going to do a bio, uh, like a small bio interview about Farhi and his his businesses here. He's and elusive, just right? Very yeah. much so. And my professor encouraged me, although we both thought he probably wouldn't answer, <laughs> to just email his company and be like, hey, I'm Fanshawe students. Like, maybe we can do an interview. <laughs> It'll be PR. And of course, he got, I got no response. Actually, I think I got a response that he's currently out of the city or something like that. And then nothing else. And I was like, can we have a follow up? But yeah, this man really is elusive. Like he really is. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen him in person. I've only seen a picture. I didn't even know how he looked like until I Googled a picture of him because I've only seen his name everywhere. And yeah, it's, he's very elusive. And it's interesting. Side note, there's a story I'll tell you after off off air. Sorry guys, you don't get you don't get that tidbit, but yeah. off air about uh, some things I heard, but uh, that's conversation well, that, afterwards. I was say, like, <laughs> at this point we just need to start spreading really crazy rumors about him. Like <laughs> if like there's just not the, already the legend of of what's his first name? Shmuel? Shmuel yeah, I think yeah, it's the Shmuel Farhi. Shmuel Farhi. Like, <laughs> like literally some say he doesn't even exist. <laughs> like some say he's not even real. Oh my god. Yeah. Literally, right? We need to make a conspiracy theory about Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Maybe Maybe yeah. that's gonna get the in, uh, the everybody's <laughs> interest if it's it's a conspiracy theory because exactly. that's been everybody's favorite thing to pay attention to. So why not, man? But yeah. <laughs> my biggest question is: Do you think? Forget about Farhi specifically, but do you think um, business owners have an obligation to somehow invest in the city aside from creating the business itself? Business owners? Oh hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy one. Mm. Yeah, if you're gonna have 
and I'm sure I'm sh- and I, I'm sure that all, like a lot of business owners could mm-hmm. there are good business owners absolutely who really want to succeed in mm-hmm. this market mm-hmm. this tough mm-hmm. fickle scrupulous market mm-hmm. um, but there are some good people out there mm-hmm. who want to make this city like who see the potential mm-hmm. in this community yeah and um, I won't I won't like list anybody specific but like you know there is that spirit there is that grassroots spirit yeah that plug at the at the end of this at the end of this yes, podcast absolutely is an like there are people who do want to just contribute to the community just contribute to the community like I've I left London for the first time in my life when I was 28 to do a journalism internship and I went mm-hmm. to Toronto and I went to um, Halifax and like I had I had like occasionally like would go on little trips but this mm-hmm. was the first time I'd ever lived outside of London that mm-hmm. is how well I know the city mm-hmm. and when I went to Toronto and Halifax specifically that was when I learned that people can care about the same thing <laughs> together like people can yeah people can enjoy their parks safely yeah. and people can maintain and take pride in their properties as they do in Halifax like mm-hmm. I had no idea mm-hmm. until I went out there and saw something else mm-hmm. how much improvement there can be in yeah. London do I think that London's business owners should take it upon them to contribute to that improvement absolutely because mm-hmm. frankly who else is going to do it and exactly western <laughs> <laughs> we already know how we feel about that but <laughs> no that's about the no. student experience not yeah. the london experience exactly so. but i yep. think i really do think the pandemic lit a fire in those in some of those that can yeah um to do you know so i i really do have high wow words i really do have high hopes mm-hmm. for the city um, not so much Canada as a whole, as we discussed previously, but for London, Ontario, I do feel like we're pushing, we're pushing towards something. I can't say what it is yet, but we're people we're moving forward, and hopefully that's a good thing. Actually, let me say need to care. Yeah, yeah we're moving yeah. forward, or we're moving. I just mm-hmm. don't know if it's forward. Yeah, we're moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're moving. I just don't know if it's forward. <laughs> like, but in what direction? <laughs> um, you know, people people just need to care and care about something together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to care about something when you're just in survival mode all the time. Absolutely. It goes when back to the crisis. When you're a student mm-hmm. who's being worked with your nose to the grindstone, probably like working mm-hmm. and paying for your your housing and uh, your tuition, it's mm-hmm. really hard to think outside of that. Absolutely. When you're living on the streets and mm-hmm. dealing with a mental illness and an addiction issue, it's really hard to think. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Who is going to step up? Who can yeah. make this city better? Like the students, the like like the like people who are scraping by to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, stop putting this on us. Yeah, the burden should not the be on us. The burden should not be on us. It mm-hmm. should be on. I mean, we do have. I'm looking, you know, we do have some really good city councilors and yeah. MPs. Mm-hmm. I, I really think we do have some yeah. good local uh, municipal politicians, actually, yep. who are trying to make a difference. Um, but then how are they going to generate um, more involvement? Yep. And that's, that's it has I'm to hoping. be the people who can afford to do it. Exactly. London business owners, please step up. Please start donating. Please mm-hmm. start standing up to Farhi. Mm-hmm. Like, the rest of us are exhausted. We're just trying to get by. <laughs> we don't want to live yeah. like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's Come really going to it's really yeah. going to take every single one of us to find our own way to help, but it has to be community. Mm-hmm. Like that's it uh, as we were saying the burden shouldn't fall on us. It yep. should really fall on everybody and mm-hmm. whoever can do what they can do should do. Mm-hmm. But we shall see. As as you listeners have probably realized, we're very pessimistic people. <laughs> you know what? But we are trying to come up with solutions. We're trying. Here. Exactly. Yeah. We are. We are in our this own is way. A productive conversation. <laughs> I agree. It's yeah. at least productive in the sense that it's cathartic to get this yeah, out. It feels good. <laughs> oh man. But speaking of things that feel good, mm-hmm. on a brighter note, and I was super excited to mention this last week. I'm super excited to mention this again this week, and I will probably continue until it actually opens. So the thing library is opening it is a zero waste store aiming to open for june and how it works is you pay a monthly fee to access the library's inventory and it hopes to attract bakers amateur remodelers hobbyists and anyone who's looking for general tools to use for whatever project that they have and you can borrow the tools in a similar fashion to borrowing books And of course, the aim, going back to the core of our conversation, is to build community. So check out the Thing Library. 
I can't. It, ooh, I should probably find out the address. I will put this in post. I'll put the address mm -hmm. in post. Uh, <laughs> but check out the thing library. Um, and hopefully that brightens up your day because it did at least for me slightly. There's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel kind of sort of might be a train coming my way. But who knows? <laughs> 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 oh, man. Anything else that you'd like to add, Angela? You've made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost Just a done. little bit further to go. Oh, my God. Whoever's listening to this. Um, We're so close. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. That's true. And, like, just, you know, I some encouragement. <laughs> Here's some encouraging energy mm -hmm. from my mouth to your ears. <laughs> um, but otherwise, just thanks for listening. Uh, embrace change. Don't mm -hmm. resist it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, you can uh, grab a paper at our stands at Western Campus. Mm -hmm. um, we also have some in the community. We have one at Victoria Park. We have a box. Mm -hmm. um, and also, of course, at Fanshawe Campus. Uh, you can check out um, our content at theinterrobang.ca, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, can I do the sign-off? Of course, Angela, yeah. you can do the sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> Wear your mask, <laughs> <laughs> trust the experts, and please support student media. With that, have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye.